Hello, this is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This is episode two of How I Came to Worship with one of our church members, Sherry DeBoard. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. Hello, this is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. I'm here doing another interview with another one of my congregation members. This is Sherry DeBoard, and I just want to say thank you for participating in this. Well, so, uh, Sherry, as you know, I've been spending uh, some quality time with our church members asking questions about how they came into their faith. Ultimately, this is about talking about my um, my dissertation as we discuss liturgy and the aspects of worship. So let's just kind of start right off the bat, and why don't you tell me a little bit about how you came to your faith? Okay. Well, as you know, I was um, raised as a Catholic. I was baptized when I was a baby, um, attended Mass uh, with my family, and um, so I came to my faith through Catholicism and going to catechism and finally going to youth group. Uh, so when you went through these things, uh, did you do anything like from... Did you go to Sunday school? Did you go to vacation Bible schools? Tell me a little bit about what you did with your friends. I mean, because... No. No, you didn't do any no. of those things? No. Um, you know, in the Catholic Church, we didn't have Sunday school. Right. We had catechism, and it was on Saturday morning. And you got to go to catechism, or you could play basketball at the Y. And I didn't get to play a lot of basketball because <laughs> we went to catechism. But, you know... My dad's family is Catholic from way back, and so that was very influential on me. That is really um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, what eventually brought you to First Christian Church of Perry? Well, Jay brought me here. <laughs> <laughs> he was born and raised in this church, and so when we moved back here, um, there was no question about where we were going to go to church. And I had uh, not really been going to the Catholic Church much. I had actually been going to um, Brand B. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to a Presbyterian church. Um, and so it was fine when we came here. I had some history with the Christian church. When I was a senior in high school, the Christian church had a new minister uh, he was uh, really big into the youth. I thought he was ancient, but he was probably in his late 30s at the time. But he really built up a youth group, and everybody wanted to go. It didn't matter what church you went to. I mean, I was still going to youth group on another night, uh, but it was fun. And I really learned a lot about the Bible. And um, I had... And I had gone to the Christian church some when I was a little girl because we had some really good friends that we would uh, babysit their children on Saturday night and we would spend the night and we'd all get up and go to uh, the Christian church. And it was so different. And it was, um, it was not the same thing every week. It was not like the, the rhythm and the movement of the Catholic Church, where you knew what was coming next. Um, it was just so free. I love how you, how you worded that, like the rhythm of the Catholic Church. You know, I before I decided to become a 
Christian Church Disciples of Christ Minister, because contrary to popular belief, that was not what I wanted to do. Uh, I really thought about becoming an Episcopal priest. And, and part of it was I, I felt like there was a rhythm to the service. Like I knew how to go. And being a musician, there just kind of this felt felt good. I love, I love how you said that, the rhythm. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. So so then I, I bet there was some, some eye-opening experiences coming from the, the Catholic tradition into a Protestant tradition. And, and we're about as far Protestant as you can go. So I, I'm sure you had your very, what was your very first image of baptism? Um, yeah, this is, let's just go there. How did, how did that go? Were you, were you baptized as an infant? And Yes, okay. I was. And so I have no recollection of being baptized. Um, the only reason I know that is because I have a certificate mm. that says I was baptized. But I was too little. I mean, I was a baby. Um, and so my first real experience with baptism where you are immersed rather than sprinkled was in the Christian church uh, when I was attending and they actually would had a baptism or two and I was fascinated with the difference. Why in one is a baby sprinkled as opposed to... Um, an older child or an adult being immersed. And mm-hmm. it was a long time before I understood and gained the knowledge of, of the difference. Oh, wow. So, now, I know this is a little bit uh, private of a question, but did, did you ever feel like when you started coming to the Christian church that you had to be baptized, like there was a requirement to be baptized? I never felt that there was a requirement. Okay. But we had someone in this church, we were in a group having dinner, and we were talking about when you were baptized and what do you remember. And, of course, I brought up, you know, the infant sprinkling baptism. And this one person went, you're not ever going to go to heaven. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, Oh, I'm a sinner again. (laughs) Oh, no. And so, anyway, that got me to thinking about it. And I, um, I decided that I wanted to experience that. Mm. Uh, it wasn't because I thought I was a sinner. I mean, I am. Uh, <laughs> but um, Catholic guilt. Uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to be able to have that experience. And I remember it's probably been 16 years ago. But I still today remember... Um, the whole thing and the feeling that I had. And I just remember I kept smiling so much because it was just it was just that experience. That's amazing. I I never thought about it that way. I one of the things the Christian church has struggled with is is the the rites of passage. You know, for a lot of people they get baptized around between ten and twelve. Like that was the kind of the thing in the same time that you guys were going through confirmation, uh-huh. you know, before you have your very first communion. And so uh, when you have your very first communion, it's it's as big of a rite of passage for Catholics as it is for Protestants to be baptized. So that, that kind of goes into the next aspect of this conversation is, is if baptism is this outward expression of an inward faith, you know, and uh, for us, communion is 
or Eucharist is that for Catholics? So out of curiosity, what does communion mean to you? I mean, it, you've got several definitions that I could go from. Well, I do. And um, it wasn't until I started going here and actually taking some classes at Phillips that I really understood the difference between the Eucharist and communion because I always thought they were interchangeable words. Right. And they weren't. I had no idea as a Catholic that we truly believed that it was the body and blood of Christ that was transformed, and that's what we were taking. Um, Where here, we look at it more as a symbolism than the actual transformation. And um, so, to me, when I was younger, I mean, I, I felt cleansed, and I felt like it was a part of me that I needed to do every week. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't, I just always kind of felt a little out of place. I understand. And, uh, and it's the same way with going to church. If I miss church, I, I just don't feel like I'm starting my week off right. Um, but I understand the difference now. And while I have a lot of Catholic in me still, right. This is a Protestant thing, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wondered. I, that's, a, that's a big yeah, deal. No, I, I don't believe that we're actually uh, partaking of a transformed piece of Christ or his blood. I just see it as a symbol of that. And to me, whether it's transformed or whether it's a symbol, it's still very important to me and very meaningful to me mm-hmm. no matter what it is so and did you know I w- thought about being a nun no you you and I I think you, you and I talked a little bit about it but I didn't know that you wanted to become a nun yeah I, I thought about it in high school and um, I I mean I thought about it I, I didn't ever take any steps to do anything else but you know there's something fascinating about that life that separated from the community but fully invested in the community. Well, and fully invested in the Word of God. Right. And your whole life is devoted to that aspect where mm-hmm. you are, everything you do is devoted to God, whether it's service in the community, whether it's teaching, whether it's nursing, whatever it is, it's that is what you do, and I just liked the idea of being fully immersed mm-hmm. in God and His Word. Yeah, I, it it's something beautiful to behold. It's for me. It was it's the um, the practice of it over time. I wondered if it would have the same meaning over time, right? Like mm-hmm. at the time, I mean, when I when I wanted to be a priest, the idea for me was. I, I liked the discipline. I, I liked mm-hmm. the way of life. But th- at the end of the day, there was a problem with, I also have ADD. And I know, <laughs> I know that at some point, I'm, I'm going to f- find myself being broke away from the discipline. And I, and I struggled with that. But. I probably would have been uh, Sister Maria 
in <laughs> the sound of music. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that'd <laughs> be cool. I would always be doing something wrong. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, uh, so this is this is kind of a, a weird question then, but like as as you grew up in the Catholic faith, but, you know, having these intermittent moments with Protestants, the, the biggest thing for me is, is that one thing that we do differently is, is we have church camp. And church camp is a huge part of our, um, well, it's kind of a part of our catechism. It's, it, they have more conversation, they get to dig deeper into their faith. So did you get to go to church camp as a kid? Well, I went to camp, and it really wasn't considered church camp like in the Christian church or another church, but I went to a non-denominational uh, camp. Holy cow. So and, now, you've, uh, now you grew up Catholic, hung uh-huh. out with those Christian folks, and they went to a non-denominational church camp. Yes. Now I totally got to know. Um, it's in Branson, Missouri, <laughs> and it's called Canacook Camps now. You went it, to Canacook. But back then, it was Canacomo for the girls and Canacook for the boys. And it was a five-week camp. Yeah. Um, and... I loved every minute of it. I wish they would do it for adults because I'd be the first person to sign up. I, not only was I um, experiencing other uh, girls my age and older, but we had devotional. I didn't know what devotional was. We had um, church on Sunday morning. We had vespers. Uh, we had some guest speakers, and it was such an impact. I mean, I remember so much of camp. Wow. And um, we had a man that was a World War II pilot that came and spoke to us one time. Um, as a Catholic, we got to choose between riding in the back of the pickup into town to go to the Catholic church or staying and participating in the non-denominational Protestant. We kind of like the Protestant. Right, one. right. And so, and that day, I think they probably kept everybody there because this man, I don't remember his name, but I think he was a pretty big person at the time. But he came and he talked to us about I'm third. And it was about an experience he had while he was flying in World War II and I guess he was probably close to being shot down or something. But anyway, he learned then that God is first, others are second, and I'm third. And that made such an impact on me. Wow, that's awesome. That, I don't want to tell you how many years it's been, but... <laughs> we'll just say a couple. A few. Just a few. Um, I still remember it as if it was yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. And um, every Sunday, we had to drop a letter in a basket that we had written to our parents, so they got at least one letter from us. And uh, we'd go in to, um, we got to go to the boys' side of the camp, into the mess hall to have our uh, meals. And uh, we prayed before every meal. We never sat down to a meal. Nothing was ever passed until we prayed. That's amazing. Yeah. And he, and he probably ate family style and, and all those things. Yeah. So I, I love that. I'm a, I'm a third. I'm third. I'm third. I'm third. I, that's something really to kind of stink, stick in, yeah. in, my, in my head. So today, uh, you know, because obviously this interview is about worship, about how we come into our faith and, you know, the big pieces of our worship. I, I'm just curious, like, 
what is your favorite part of worship today? Like, is it, and let me give you an example. So for some, it's the prayer time. It's the pastoral prayer. We, we voice our concerns and we all, that, that response, God in your mercy, hear our prayer. There's something powerful for some. For some, it's the aspect of communion. For some, it's the hymn singing. For some, it's the sermon. For some, it's, you see what I'm saying? So uh, I typically look at worship as a whole, but uh, there are pieces of it that really mean a lot to me. What would be your favorite part of worship? The music. The music. You know, I can't sing. We don't have to sing uh, in you know, in tune or anything else, but I'm, I'm a terrible singer, but I love to sing, and, you know, God bless the Cunninghams who sit two rows in front of us. They hear it every Sunday. <laughs> if you're listening, God, I know you're going to give me a voice when I get there, but I love to sing. I have such joy, and I'm just, you know, to me, I'm the greatest singer in the world when I'm by myself. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, that's got to be it. I love, uh, I love the hymns, um, but I, I'm not saying I don't like the new music either because I do. Mm-hmm. I just love the music. That's amazing. I, I obviously I have a very strong feeling towards music, and it's a when I say it's a piece of my soul, I I mean that with my whole being. And so you said hymns. Do you like the hymns? Do you have a favorite hymn that just kind of if you had a go-to hymn that you would sing any time, that would be? I think I have a few that are my favorite. Amazing Grace is one. Okay. Of course, it's, you know, the the reason it was written, the, the roots of that song talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've actually uh, given a message on that one time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. But I really studied... Um, John Newton and and everything he went through in order to write this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, um, great is thy faithfulness, how great there are. I mean, the, you know, the really old ones. <laughs> <laughs> that are just golden. Yes. The age says... They, yeah. they uh, age like a fine wine. It just gets better as it goes on. But, you know... Um, I love 10,000 Reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's mine and Jay's song. Oh, that's so neat. That's really neat. I, I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah. That's a good song. It is. And, um, you know, and I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. We're going to oh, sing that this Sunday. We are? Mm-hmm. Oh. We are. I'm going to attempt it. But yeah. Okay. So, yeah, these are that. that's that's exactly why I'm asking, because uh, sometimes we, we get kind of stuck in just one genre of music. Well, know. and... You said music is a part of your soul, and mm-hmm. I think it is with me, too, whether it's oh, yeah. vocal or whether it's instrumental. Um, I love all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go from classical all the way, you know, to rock and roll. I'm not really thrilled about rap and hip-hop, mm-hmm. but uh, I know there's a reason for it. Maybe I'm just too old for it. But, you know, I mean, the greatest music ever made was the rock and roll from the 60s and 70s. I would agree with that 110%. 110%. And so it is, music is a part of my soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I, you know, and I also, and I also gave a message on this one time about 
talking about finding God in music, mm-hmm. because I think you can find God in secular music. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, and I have, whether it's George Strait telling me he saw God today or mm-hmm. <laughs> Bridge Over Troubled Water. I just love it all. That's, uh, that's I love hearing those things. And, uh, yeah, the sermon that you gave on that was awesome. Um, I love I love how we have that connection with music being a part of how it drives us into our mm-hmm. belief. And So, as a musician, there are certain seasons of the year that are my favorite liturgically, like if it's Advent or if it's Lent or uh, just different seasons throughout the year. Um for the liturgical calendar that are just my favorite. I just can't wait to look. I can't, can't wait for them. So do you have a favorite season of the church? Is it Christmas, Easter? Is it? Well, I think it's both. Oh, awesome. Because, you know, if you think about the time of Jesus' birth, and here's this baby that God gives the world in a time that was so bad, um, and the circumstances that bring such hope. But then you look at the time of his preaching and his teaching, and he knew. Mm-hmm. You know, he always, I believe he always knew what was going to happen to him. And it's a very sad time because he died, but it's the biggest celebration we can ever have. Uh, because without that, where would we be going? It's a good Back question. Back to the dirt. Right. right. We'd be going to show. Right. <laughs> so as as we talk about, I, I love how you in, in included Shoal in that conversation. And Shoal is a, is, a, is a churchy phrase. It's a conversation. And anytime that you talk about heaven or hell, there's always these church words that we use about what we do. Like, uh, we do this because, and this is the word that uses that to describe that. So, Shoal being the place of the lost souls or lost lost people, right? It, the Ruach has returned to God, so they walk aimlessly. For us in the Christian church, we have words that we use all the time, and I'm fascinated about how people define them and what it means to them. So, for example... One of those words would be outreach. What does the word outreach mean to you? Well, I'm not sure I can just give you one definition because I think okay. there, there's outreach into the world. There's outreach into our community. I think scripturally it goes back to when Jesus told us to go out into the world and to preach and to teach uh, others. Mm-hmm. And we're also, it, it's about helping others. What we can do to, you know, help them ease their pain. Let's see, as you say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, two of the seven mm-hmm. <laughs> corporal mercies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in. Yeah, that was awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love you too. 
<laughs> but, um, but truly, it is. And to me, that's what outreach means. Uh, it means to uh, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, bury the dead, uh, you know, save the wretched, and I don't remember all the others, but or the pr- imprisoned and infirm, and right. saying that as a Catholic version and not the Protestant. <laughs> Uh, we, 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 we come by it honest, you know, so it's not, it's not like we, it's a new concept, but I, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, it's the hardest part to try to define outreach in the world that we live in today. And, and the, the second one of those, because we always kind of get these two combined is, is what does the word evangelism mean to you? Well, evangelism means to me, that, let me back up. Outreach means we're helping in some way. Okay. Evangelism means that we are looking more towards the spiritual side. I don't believe it means we have to go knock on people's doors and, you know, walk in and start thumping the Bible and stuff, but I think it's our responsibility to uh, reach people about the Word of God. And have a conversation with them. Yeah, no, I. That's exactly what I wanted to know because I think a, a lot of times we get that a little confused, that outreach and evangelism are the same thing, and and uh, no. evangelism for me, is is that concept of us living out, our life in the name of Christ. Outreach is reaching out to people because of that lifestyle, and just by our actions and our words and deeds, we're evangelizing to the world. So. Mm-hmm. So that, that's exactly why I wanted to ask you that question. Um, so because the Christian church is a, a, is a faith tradition that puts a lot of focus in on the Bible, do you have a favorite scripture? I have several, Josh. I, I understand. Me? I do. I do. I love um, Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. because to me it, it talks about a woman mm-hmm. and what a woman is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I had my mother as an example of, you know, providing for the family and doing for the family. Mm-hmm. And that is just, that's really important to me. But then there's Psalms 100 that says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't say it has to be in, <laughs> in tune. <laughs> no. That's right. Not a professional noise, a joyful one. Joyful. That's right. And, you know, uh, oh my goodness, there are just so many. I, I... Well, those are pretty awesome by themselves. I, uh, it's really been fascinating to me as I do these podcasts that they've all been different. Uh, I just never was expecting that. Yeah. A lot of people kind of, uh, we, we kind of have our, our top five, but not a single one of your five with any of the interviews I've done, have been the same. So well, and I also love Ecclesiastes. Oh know? yeah, for every season there's a reason. You know, yeah. That's what I always call it because yeah. of the song. You know. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I've talked about this before too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I first time I heard it on the radio. Uh, I had a radio that my parents had given. It was a transistor battery battery operated radio, which is pretty high tech. That's pretty fancy. And I would. Put it right by my bed so I could pick up KOMA. Oh my goodness. AM 1520. 
and listen to it all because it broadcast in our area at night. Mm -hmm. And I heard that song and I thought, is God talking to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful song. Well, I think uh, we're, we're kind of at the point now that I, uh, I want to say thank you for your time. I really appreciate the, the opportunity of, of speaking uh, about your faith in these moments. And uh, again, I want to say thank you for participating. Thank you, Josh.